Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Welcome to episode 69. Insert, that's my favorite number joke here. Of Stoke the Fire. As always, we're your host, Matt Stocks and Jesse Leach. We returned last week after a slight breakaway uh, with our dear old friend and esteemed honorary member of the Campfire crew, Father Maximus McIntyre, for a lovely and productive and insightful conversation. Um, and this one is going to be more open format, Campfire Q&A style. Been a while since we've done one of these. We, we put up a post on social media and the Patreon page. Uh, we've had a bunch of, of responses and comments, so we're going to endeavor to get through as many as possible. And then I'm sure just veer off in all kinds of tangents and, and see where the conversation goes. Indeed. As always with these ones, there's um, yeah no plan other than to delve deep and have some fun as well and catch up as it's been a while since you and I have, have really sat down and shot the shit. So um, how are you, first and foremost? How the devil are you? <laughs> yeah. I'm well overall. Um, you know, ups and downs. I think the basic um, overall theme for me has been challenging myself with this record that I've been working on forever. It's been a year now since uh, the initial meeting with the Kill Switch Boys demoing till now. So a year of, of you know digging deep into my psyche and trying to write songs and rewriting songs and sort of presenting stuff and having it been sent back to me. I was just saying to Purple in the Kitchen that this record might be the most difficult one that I've had to write so far. Um, but I do think that that is building a interesting, unique record. But, you know, it's kind of taken a little bit of a toll on me mentally. It's been, as I was saying in our chat with Father Maximus, you know, losing sight of your purpose, wondering if you're good enough to keep doing this. Like all that shitty, insecure stuff that pops up when you're sort of in a, um, what's the word existential sort of crisis of like, I was going to say the right funk, thing, but that's more poignant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's the running theme throughout, but other than that, just navigating life, um, you know, getting ready, planning the wedding for next year with purple and I, and just everyday stuff. Um, how about yourself, man? How are you? Well, before I answer that, uh, a couple of things I wanted to kind of focus on one being art i think has the potential to completely um liberate any sense of of 
bad feelings. And, and the reason I sort of mentioned that is I saw today a news story that the Foo Fighters are going to be putting out a new record soon. And this new single, which they just dropped, is pretty obviously about the loss of Taylor and them dealing with that. And I just think a brave move and a, um, but also a vital move from a band like that because, you know, Dave is obviously no stranger to losing a bandmate and, and having to kind of decide how to proceed after such a, a loss, obviously with Kurt and Nirvana. And although he is the Foo Fighters, Taylor was clearly his guy and his, you know, confidant and best friend and, and creative collaborator and brother, really. And I did think, like, will they continue as a band after that? And, and seeing that they have, I think, is incredible. And it just got me thinking about, you know, the ways in which musicians, but all creatives and artists can use their creative voice to explore uh, any manner and any number of, of things, both good and bad, that they might be going through. So um, you say that this has been the hardest record of your career. Is that because of things that you've been struggling with as a, a, a human or more so just finding your creative voice in these times and in, in this point in your life? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, you know, I think that I am my own worst enemy when it comes to my creativity and I'm my greatest ally. And I think that, you know, going through the cycles of my brain and depression and anxiety, those things that are difficult to deal with that also severely inspire me, it feels very sort of bipolar in a way where there are moments where I'm working on a song and I feel, oh, this is it. This is great. And then there are moments where I'm like, wow, shit. And I'll go dark. I, I I can't help it. I'm like, am I just, did I lose it? Like, am I not good enough? And it's, it might sound silly to some people, but that can destroy me for days. If I'm not doing well with the one thing I'm supposed to be doing, it can destroy me and it will affect me on a whole other level into my personal relationships and people that have to deal. Like, you know, I feel bad for purple sometimes because I mope around the house and then I'll write a good song and I'm in a great mood. It's like, it's just up and down, up and down. Which Jesse am I going to get today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, another thing I do have to say is I've never done a record where, you know, everybody is so hands-on in the past. Those guys would give demos. I would do my best to sort of sort them out. And then it would just be Adam and I figuring out the song. With this record, we've opened it up to a real group discussion where everybody's got their opinion on this song. So you're, I'm dealing with four different guys that have four different opinions critiquing what I'm doing. So that's made it quite difficult. But now that I'm sort of on the other side of it, the record is mapped out enough where I've kind of got a perspective on it. I'm seeing that this process is painstaking as it is is going to create a record that is going to sound different, that is going to challenge me and has challenged me to write differently, to use different words, to use different analogies, to talk about different subjects. It's really pushed me to do better and expand myself. So all in all, I'd see it as a positive thing, but it has not been easy. Well, somebody, I'm doing great, by the way. 
we can just <laughs> we can just wrap it up real short and leave it at that because yeah I'm, I'm doing absolutely awesome 10 out of 10 great um, that's fucking great to hear dude life's been really good as of late and uh, i'm in a really good place and um lots of exciting things going on over summer i'm about to be heading out to barcelona in 24 hours yes my favorite band of all time three nights on the bounce going to wow. be djing the closing party with with melvin from no effects and then i'm going to go see them again in the uk the week after that then it's slam dunk djing and hosting the stage there with so many great great friends of old from Vlogging Molly to Less Than Jake to Bowling for Soup to Goggle Bordello. Um, who else is on the bill? Zebrahead. Tons of bands wow. I've known for years. And then after that, it's I'm going to this festival in Austria called SBAM. I'm going to go see No Effects again there because <laughs> it's their final tour, quote unquote. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to get in as many moments with the band and, and, and as, you know, go to as many shows as possible. And, and then Rancid are playing out there as well. And then Vlogging Molly and Bowling for Soup and Zebrahead and Frank Turner and a bunch of the bands um, who were on the slam dunk bill, but then a few others enter Shikari as well. So then that's that. And then the weekend after that is download. And I'm going to be, I haven't announced this yet, but uh, I'm sure by the time this goes out, it will have been announced. I'm doing a live podcast from download um, and a DJ set. And then after that, this is all week after week, after week, after week, after that, I go to Copenhagen to Copenhagen. going to be doing some live Q and A's and a DJ set out there. And then I go straight from Copenhagen to Hellfest in France uh, and, and doing a DJ set out there. And, and so that is from this week till the end of June, basically every weekend I'm at a festival. Um, you are on your, your grind, brother. That's so beautiful. It's really nice to hear because I remember months ago you're just wondering what's going on and sort of like, you know, you felt like your wheels were spinning. But look at you, man. Congratulations. That makes me really happy. And I've just confirmed a live Q and A at Wacken <laughs> Festival in Germany with yeah. uh, with this guy called Jesse Leach. <laughs> That's so funny. When did I got you, that, did you know about that yet? When I got that email, I was laughing so hard. I was like, "This cheeky fucking bastard!" Of course, like, of course I'm gonna. But that festival it actually works out really well because I have a day off before, so it's, it's actually perfect timing. Um, right. Because you know I've just been all over the place with my schedule and my brain has just been everywhere. But when I got that message from my uh kenny my manager i just had a laugh i'm like this fucking guy he's going to the proper channels but yeah that's going to be great i'm looking forward to that too man so if anybody listening to this is listening from germany or they're going to wacom festival look out and uh yeah we'll, we'll keep you posted but jesse and i will be doing what will essentially be uh, a live episode of stoke the fire from wacom festival which is going to be amazing that's so cool that um, amazing going to be doing ones with jim from pennywise and, and Vili Velo from him out there as well and um and then i'll see you the following week at bloodstock i'm gonna if it's okay with you come and hang out for the day and follow you around oh, of course of course man yeah we're flying in and flying out of that one it's gonna be in and out so yeah catch me while you can i will I and we're headlining will. it's like incredible it's I, to headline a festival like that to me is it's, yeah that's next level so it's gonna be one for the books for sure hell yeah so yeah, life's amazing, but you just mentioned there about um, writer's block to some extent, maybe not writer's block, but you know, figuring out your way through the trees. Uh, somebody on the Instagram page, like the Fire Instagram, uh, wanted to ask you if you had any writing tips for anybody who has struggled or is struggling with, I guess, more the emotional and creative end of, of, of writer's block and yeah. getting this sense of like, 
have I said everything there is to say? What else have I got left to say? Uh, what could you maybe suggest as, as some, you know, good methods and tips of, of working through that and around that? Yeah, um, I'd first want to say that writer's block is sort of a lie that you tell yourself. And I think anyone who's creative or has an interest in writing or is a writer, you've just got to keep writing, period. Even if it's something that doesn't feel inspired, continue to exercise your craft and find out when your brain is best at it. I feel like for me, when I first wake up in the morning, I'm ready. Like that's where my creative juices go. So I'll ignore the entire world and focus on writing. Um, maybe pick topics you wouldn't normally write about or tell a story. Tell somebody else's story. Look at things around you. Look at someone that you're close to that you're observing with they're going through look at you know what's going on in the world there's plenty of things to draw inspiration from sometimes it's not going inward sometimes it's reaching for what's going on around you but keep yourself disciplined right 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 show up for yourself discipline will lead to inspiration so that's the way out is just be obsessed with what you're doing and um you'll eventually get out of it and you realize like even the idea of you being numb and not being able to write is a topic you can write about. And I actually did write about feeling just numb and just not having direction. And I found a creative way to write about that. I'm not sure if it's going to make the record, but I was proud of myself. You know, I have a bunch of stuff that I've written that may not make it, but it was a stepping stone to get to where I needed to get to get re-inspired again. So discipline is key. Continue to write show up for yourself and don't just feel like you lost it work work on it i think as well if i could shed some of my non-songwriter but just writer writer perspective in the mix um writing what you know about is always what's taught in creative writing um you know is turning the every day around you into works of either fiction or poetry or whatever because inspiration's everywhere it doesn't need to come from from inside externally it's everywhere the minute you open the door and look around you and um i think right um writing and and, and reading go hand in hand as well being a big mm. reader myself every time i read anything i'm inspired in some way whether or not i make something of that idea you just get ideas popping into your head and as much as the news can sometimes be a bum out when i think about the amount of songs and films that have stemmed as a direct result from a real life story that somebody has seen in the paper and they've gone oh my god that would make a great film or that would be a topic for a song and we could write that into you know a short story or whatever it is but i think just picking up the newspaper and looking at what's going on in the world maybe not so much the politics but you know i mean just local news stories in your area um so much inspiration can be drawn from that mm. and reading novels and basically trying to not watch tv as amazing as tv is for me tv for me is purely escapist entertainment and i've recently sold off all my my vinyls because i'm trying to downscale my you know music library and just life in general and a lot of people at the two fairs that i hosted you know everybody would want to ask well, why are you selling your vinyl why are you getting rid of them and for me i never listen to music at home unless it's like you know late at night and i've got a couple of friends over and we're kind of sat around having a bit of an after party or whatever it is i never listen to music at home because I listen to music so much when I'm out and about with my headphones in on trains and planes and everything. And then I DJ, obviously, you know, two, sometimes three nights a week. 
So when I get home, I like to just switch off, put the TV on. But I never watch the TV and get inspired to like, you know, I mean, <laughs> write, write or do anything. It's more just like, you, you know, you're vegging out and switching off. So, yeah, I'd say switch yeah. the TV off if you're looking for inspiration. Pick up a newspaper or a book and, uh, and draw inspiration that way. And then, as you say, just in the practice of doing is where you release the creativity isn't it discipline is everything and comedians yeah. say this all the time it's like just set aside an hour a day you know even if you write 10 shit jokes one of them might be a half good enough joke to then be developed into a bit that then becomes part of your routine but you need that regularity and consistency yeah i think reading is important that's a good one i definitely i actually need to do more of that myself but yeah i like what you said you know um because i think people think inspiration which it can just will hit just you over the strike you like a line. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which it can, but it's, you know, that that's kind of the myth of, of, of like being a creative, you have to work for it. You have to have discipline. That's it. And it's not, discipline is such a boring word to creatives, but it's so fucking crucial. So yeah, good stuff. I guess as well, a lot of the time and everybody works differently, but a lot of people I know start with the title. So sometimes if you've just got, if you can just think of a good title, then you can work from there and create the topic around the title. Obviously, yeah. some people go the other way and the title is the last thing. But I think if you just go, oh, what would make a good song? Like, you know, two words, a phrase, whatever it is, and then go from there. That's a nice the song, nucleus. The song I'm working on right now, I did exactly that. Like the word hit me and I was like, Ooh. I even like, if you open my phone and go to my notes, there are one word things all over it because i'm like ooh, idea for a song idea for a song and i'll take that word i'll meditate on i'll put it on the paper and the ideas will flow and you write about that word that's a great idea good advice there we go you can have that for free instagram commenter <laughs> yeah. uh brandon off patreon says do you jesse leach have any plans of just yourself and a guitar belting out any acoustical originals anytime is that something you would ever like an eddie vedder style yeah i uh i don't have uh, you and a ukulele even yeah i don't have the skills to do an instrument and sing at the same time quite yet um and if i do do that in the future it would be most likely with piano as opposed to guitar but um i i would say not anytime soon and i do i do have opportunities to work with other musicians to do that type of thing so that might come first um and again that piano might be the the way for me um i would love to do that someday but I haven't put the discipline in to, to hone my skills enough to do that. So not in the near future. I think with you, if I can be so bold, you're not always your best cheerleader and motivator. No, I'm not. And no, I'm so not. I think, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's laziness at all. I think it's self doubt. And like, you know, you just, I think if you had someone and that's obviously where writing with Adam and working with him on times of grace and kill switch and these things come from is you have someone to kind of push you and drive you. Um, but yeah, I know from just knowing you that you're not necessarily the guy who has the most sense of like self-belief and like self-motivation to like, yeah, I'm going to get this done. I believe in me. True. And you should. <laughs> Thank you. I'm working <laughs> on that. Shit. Like, no, no argument. No argument. No, I know it's true. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's something I think a lot of people struggle with, that inner voice, you know. Just did a hike the other day with a dear friend of ours. Her name's Carolyn, um, me and Purple and Carolyn. And the entire talk was about, you know, how you view yourself and how to motivate yourself. And that 
inner voice, that self-talk. And when it's negative, it can beat you down and you believe it and it, it will inhibit your growth. It'll inhibit your creativity and your goals and your aspirations. You got to be really careful with the way you talk to yourself. That's huge. So I'm working on it. Good. <laughs> uh, Brian Hoover, Jesse Leach again. Uh, will we see a Times of Grace mini tour anytime oh. in the future? Don't know. I don't have an answer to that one. Um, the last time Adam and I talked about it, it wasn't looking so good. I mean, between just budget alone to get that thing off the ground and then, you know, what we could potentially make from it, it's just not looking good. And then timetable wise between kill switch and everything Adam does, I would love for that to happen at some point, but I wouldn't say not for a couple of years, if at all. Um, and it's, to me, it's a huge bummer. I think that Songs of Loss and Separation was one of the best records I was a part of. Um, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. But such is life, and I don't rule it out. But uh, as far as my scope for the next couple of years, I, I can't see it happening. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer, man. However, <laughs> to anybody who is a fan of, of seafaring voyages and Kill Switch Engage, you did recently announce that you guys finally, because I know we spoke about this before and you were like, oh, the rest of the guys aren't so keen on the idea, but you're heading out on a cruise, my man. Well, you're actually yes. doing two cruises. I am, yeah. One one of the cruises is a DJ gig that Purple's going to dance with me, so it's the two of us on stage together. And then I'll be, this is going to be announced soon, so I can't really give full details, but I will be doing three or four songs with a acoustic collective act uh, they're not my songs, but I've been hired to sing them. And it's with someone I admire very much. Um, so the, that'll be unique. This and is on the, the Lamb other, of God cruise for anybody. Lamb of God cruise, yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll be I wish I was coming that. on that. I'll be on the That'll road. be a fun one. Yeah, and the lineup, the lineup is ridiculous for that one. It's crazy. Well, Brittany will actually be on that. So you should right, I saw that. Yeah, and hang out with her and, and Purple. Um, but yeah, she is definitely going on that. And that is just before the Flogging Molly one, which I will be on. Um, but I'll be out on the road whilst the uh, the Lamb of God one's happening, so I'll miss that. So you're doing that, and then you're also do is it the Monsters of Rock cruise? Is that the one? That uh, Shiprocked, Shiprocked, which is coming up in February. Yeah, we we finally committed to it. Oh um, yeah, and Purple will be with me on that. Part of the deal of accepting that gig was the fact that we could all bring our ladies and make a thing out of it. So all the ladies are coming to the Killswitch ladies. So it'll be a big Killswitch family cruise with. Uh, an interesting lineup of bands as well. So it'll be good. Dude, it'll be beyond good. I'm telling you. I mean, the Lamb of God one is first, so you'll have already experienced what they're like. You're going to have the best, best time. Mm. You're going to love it. I think so too. I think so too. It's something I wanted to do for years now. So it's nice that they finally caved and accepted it. And that Lamb of God offered me to come DJ. That to me was just like, I didn't see that coming. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Where was my call, Randy? Cheers. <laughs> uh let's go down the list so what bands would you love to tour with i can answer this one as well because obviously i tour too so um i'll let you go first okay you want, you want me to go first all right he's yeah pointing... go first yeah you talk you talk he's pointing, <laughs> he's pointing at me ladies and gentlemen so um i mean airborne is one just because they're such dear friends i'm amazed it hasn't happened already to be honest i've been on them for years about trying to make it happen um it's always interesting to me the politics that are involved with bands 
I find it hilarious that often it's not the bands themselves who make the calls for their own tours. Um, this is something that I don't know whether kind of people who are in the kind of just the, the fan end of the music community know this, but <laughs> just, you know, spilling the dirt. But a lot of the time it's booking agents and managers and like, you know, deals. And it's, it's very rare, I think, that unless bands really put the foot down and go, this is the bill we want. It's rare that the bands themselves, I think, choose the whole bills. Um, and you can tell the ones that do. Um, mm. And this isn't me slagging airborne at all. Um, this is just kind of, you know, my frustrations with, with many of the people I've spoken to on the, the more industry side of things is like, I know I'd be great for this tour. And they go, yeah, but there's, you know, this person to please and that. But airborne, I would love to tour with. I just know that we'd have the best time. I'd do the best rock and roll DJ set and would just get to spend, you know, lots of time on the road with my friends. That being said, Kill Switch as well. I'd actually love to tour with you guys for the same reason, just to hang out with you every day and see the world with you. And um, and obviously, you know, I love the Kill Switch show. I think it's a really fun and awesome live show. I know I could bring stuff to that. Um, ACDC would be ah, a, yes. obviously a dream, dream come true. Uh, Kiss, I put myself forward to go on tour with Kiss. Obviously, I did the cruise, but... Um, I put myself to go on the UK dates that they've got coming up. Didn't get that, unfortunately, but you know, understand why? Because I'm, you know, I am a, a mere blip in the uh, the world of rock and roll entertainment. But yeah, I think they'd be some of the top ones. Mainly just friends and or bands who are, you know, my favourite kind of stadium arena bands. So some realistic expectations, some very unrealistic expectations, and then, I mean, the Rolling Stones. The rock, you know, I don't want much, do I? But yeah, <laughs> ACDC, Kiss, Rolling Stones, Killswitch, Airborne, um, No Effects. I'd love to actually get on some of these final No Effects dates. Um, I've got some after parties planned with Melvin, but like to do some of the, the shows themselves would be an absolute dream come true. I've shared the stage with them before at the uh, Slam Dunk dates they did a couple of years ago, and that was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, for me, it's not necessarily, well, I guess it is about bands that I love, but it's more about people that I love because that's what touring mm. is, isn't it? Is being on the road with, with people that you love. Yeah. So for me, um, the bands I would like to tour with wouldn't really necessarily make sense. I'd have to use my political brain and say, what would work for Killswitch? I've, I've got, I guess I have two separate lists. Um, I'd say Wolfheart, first of all, those guys, uh, I did a song with them and i've seen them play and they're just a great band they mix melodic metal death metal a little bit of black metal and they're just great dudes like really good solid humans uh, i think a band that everyone should check out if you like metal you definitely need to check out wolfheart um next up i'd say um catatonia another melodic band that i love um that are great they're really heavy but the vocals are soothing and melodic i think that those bands could work with Killswitch. Um, I, you know, as much as this wouldn't really work and I, I doubt it would ever happen. Um, I love the Deftones. I think the Deftones would be a great band to, to play with. Um, but we are a bit jokey and those guys kind of put on more of a serious show. Uh, Metallica, I can speak for all of us in Killswitch and say Metallica would be a goalpost band for all of us. And I'm going to say Iron Maiden again. I'd love to get the opportunity to open for Iron Maiden again because that's probably one of the best experiences of my touring career and life that I've had so far. Absolutely love them. And I'm going to throw Rancid in on that as well. I would love, oh. it, it would it would be unique 
But I would love Rancid and Killswitch to do a tour. I think that would be odd, but cool, like fun, if nothing else. I love that band. I love their music. And I think some of the stuff we play could work, but who knows? So that's yeah, my I'm going to see list. them. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks, and they bring the thunder. Always, always yeah. love seeing Rancid live. Um, I had a thought off the back of something you just said then, and it slipped. It slipped my damn mind. Um, no, it's gone. All right, cross that one off the list. So no, I, just need, I need to warn anyone listening or watching or listening, I should say. Um, my cat is currently taking a shit in her litter box right there. So She's if you see my tricks. If if you hear me making grunting noises or whatever, it's because it it's gonna stink soon. So just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the cat taking a shit, staring at me. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Alex P, our old friend Alex P. Uh, if you could hang out with any musician, so this isn't tour. This is just hang out socially. If you could hang out with any musician, whom would it be? You want to go first? Tom Waits. Without ah, I was going to say that. I was <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> well, maybe the three yes. of us can all hang out. It's not an exclusive party. I'll, I'll allow oh. you to hang out with me and Tom. <laughs> Tom Waits for the win, 100%. Just, I, just the amazing human being. I interviewed uh, Tommy Stinson from The Replacements the other day, and it was a fucking amazing interview, like absolute legend of a man replacements one of my all-time favorite bands if anybody who likes rem and and pixies and, and nirvana and bands like that and you haven't delved into the replacements check out their album let it be it's so good and then he was in guns and roses for like 15 years as the bassist in guns so he's been in two of the you know best and most revered rock and roll bands of all time and he's you know met and spent time with everybody during his two times in those bands and he was telling me about the times he's hung out with Tom Waits and I was just like man just you can only imagine not only the quality of the stories but the way in which he delivered them sure. you could just sit there for hours and just be entertained beyond belief uh, he for me when I read this question I immediately didn't even need yeah. to think it was just like yeah Tom Waits every day same you know and anyone who doesn't know just go on youtube and look up tom waits interviews some of the best ones are david letterman he's done some great ones with david but look up tom waits interviews the guy is just he doesn't even have to say a word he sits down in his chair just his hat and you're I'm, I'm like what's next he's just he's brilliant he's a character he's a living he's like if a storybook character came to life and existed out of the book that's who tom waits is he's just brilliant Let's stay in this kind of fun hypothetical world for a minute then. So uh, Parker Lookenback on Instagram has said, so it's summer, you've got a big barbecue happening. What do you bring and who do you invite? What do the, uh, you know, the requirements of, of the best barbecue fall into um, for you, Jesse? Go with your food selections and beverage suggestions okay. first. So I have a unique diet. So when I barbecue, here we go, gluten free, gluten free, it's coming. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I wouldn't even add gluten to the mix. I would just go for like a whole fish. I would stuff a fish with herbs and spices, and and probably do like a side of like a couple sides of sauces to go with it. Fresh cilantro, um, probably some tamarind chutney on the side. Uh, um, and it would be ice cold, gluten free beer. 
um, or like a really good white or an orange wine. Um, and I would do grilled veggies, probably like broccoli or asparagus marinated in like salt, pepper and balsamic vinegar. Um, yeah, maybe some big, big mushrooms marinated and, and grilled to perfection. So yeah, mushrooms, whole fish, maybe some shrimp and then not on the grill, but t- to add to it, some quinoa, some rice, some grains to go with that shit. So that's, that's my style of barbecue. I know it's not for everybody, but I'm a fairly healthy guy. So that's, that's where I would go. No, I'm all over that. I was thinking salmon for mine. So yeah. I'd, I'd happily gorge on your entire fish. Um, and then I was going to go with, you know, broccoli and courgettes and stuff like that to accompany a nice little salsa. And uh, you've got to have corn on the cob all day. Yes, love that. Every yeah. day you've got to have corn on the cob. And refreshment-wise, I'd have a thousand beers. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd try and find like a swimming pool size cooler obviously i'm assuming transportation is no you know no issue here but i would have a swimming pool size cooler with a thousand beers in and i just have that on a mountain of ice yeah you gotta have beers at a cookout and i'm happy to report there's a company called ghost fish head here in the states that makes gluten-free beer that tastes precisely like beer like i i'm so happy that i found them i just had a couple the other day after well, while i was cooking out and you don't have to be sad anymore if you're gluten-free. Um, there are companies here in the States that make great gluten-free beers. I'd probably just go with Miller Lite, to be honest. There you go. Because <laughs> I love <laughs> I don't get to drink that because it's basically unavailable in the UK. So whenever I come to the States, a Miller Lite always goes down a treat. Um, and guest-wise, so who are we inviting? um again i'd have to say tom waits he's just part of our he's part of the inner circle now so he'd be there i would also say and i'm not just saying this to kiss ass i'd say every single person i think every single person yeah every single person that we've had on stoke the fire as a guest since launching the show we were talking to maximus last week about the energy in the room of you know previous guests all hanging out and exchanging you know energy together and how wonderful that was and that was maybe only six or so at the most maybe a couple more let's say seven to eight of the guests that have been on the show were at that live event uh but i'd want you know all all 60 odd all there and tom waits so they would basically just be a stoke (laughs) the fire live event (laughs) and then we could just throw to tom for campfire songs and stories and I'd be happy with that. You know, obviously, you, maybe Johnny Depp would be a nice addition to the guest list as well. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of cool people that I would want, but I would be stoked with literally just our guest pond. Any listeners who want to attend, obviously open invitation to them. And then just Tom Waits, one one star guest. Sometimes one's enough. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm going to just tack in because he was a guest and it has to be mentioned again, Vinny Stigma. He could also hold court as well. I well, love Vinny's, that guy. Vinny's there. Vinny's going to be there. Him, there. him and the father. Hey, father. Could you, well, could you imagine him and Tom Waits? <laughs> would Tom, what would Tom, how did, would Tom Waits handle Vinny Stigma? <laughs> oh, I'm sure when we did that live event, and I never quite got confirmation or closure on this, but I'm pretty sure that Vinny Stigma talked about going round to either Lars Fredrickson's house and Robin Williams was there or Robin Williams's house and Lars Fredrickson was there. And I was just like, how, why, what, what's going on? I yeah, didn't that dream be... that, did I? No, no, you're correct. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine. Robin Williams. 
Man, if that man was still alive, he would be on the guest list, including Forever. Joe Strummer as well, obviously. VIP for life. Yeah. Um, Heather would like to know, if we weren't in the careers that we were in, um, what would we be doing? What could we see ourselves doing? I think I spoke about this before. For me, it would be teacher. Easy, definitely done. Not easy, but you know that would be an easy choice for me. Um, right. Apart from that, being a bartender in somewhere like you know, the Dominican Republic or Hawaii, somewhere kind of off grid, you know, a little shack bar, not too much of a kind of high turnover in terms of like clientele. So it wasn't too busy, but it was busy enough to keep the, the shack going. Um, I think, uh, you know, a little bar owner in a nice kind of resort, like remote, sorry, beach destination would be awesome as well. Um, maybe that could be later down the line. But other than those two things, I really don't think there's there's any other professional lane I could see myself fully being satisfied in. Um, mm. And I know there's you know an absolute array of different jobs out there and things you don't even consider. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, but it's sort of the same. But um, being like a music placement guy for movies, so picking soundtracks for films, um, I don't know how you would get into that work and how people do, but that would be a really incredible profession for me. And I think I would do very well in that role. Um, yeah, they would be my, my top three, I think. Oh, I, I love that. I didn't even think of that last one. That's a brilliant idea. Wouldn't it be How, incredible? Yeah, I think it really would be. Um, top of my list has always been park ranger, someone who's out there living in the wilderness and helping take care of it and protect it. Uh, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately um, for various reasons. Um, and I'm going to jump on board with the bartender in a remote location, like a like a, a surf punk rock bar, tiki bar or something. I could totally see myself in my older years doing that type of a thing. Um, Maybe we should open one together one day. Oh, man. Imagine. And, you know, a place you don't have to your shoes. Like your feet are in the sand and, you know, you're, the menu's small. You get fresh catch and you get tiki drinks and we play great music and maybe have live acts here and there like that's totally in my wheelhouse um what was the other one i it just escaped my brain uh yeah i'm having a brain fart where so would those, it sit thematically yeah what the bar no the the third oh yeah in i don't know it was spectrum uh, of professions entertainment oh, i don't know actor there you go. I would love to be. I'd love to be like a villainous character actor. I'd love to like embody, like Michael the, Wincott in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, you know, and not even like main leading guy. Like even just bit parts. I'd love to. I mean, I'd still love to do that kind of shit. Just acting is was my first love before music, like theater. But I would love to do little little bit parts or whatever. I would love to explore being somebody that when i come on screen you're like oh that guy's crazy you know i can mm -hmm. totally do that well talking of actors you were recently on the overrated everything podcast oh host, yeah hosted by andy ellis who was just on the show and his this is england co-star uh thomas Turgoose. so i know how much you love that franchise yeah. and i know how excited you were to have andy on this show how was it for you to go and be a guest on that show and how did it was they treat you yeah, it was great. It just felt like I was hanging out with pals. Like it, it was so low key, and like, you know, it was just a chat with friends. Like that's what it felt like, you know. And deep down inside, you know, I could have just asked tons of questions about being a fanboy, but 
that's not what that podcast is about. So I found it interesting and I hope I was a decent guest. I don't know, but to me, the whole vibe of it was like just hanging out with my friends. It was great. Those guys are awesome. I have a lot of respect for them and they're just nice guys, man. Just good guys. Tomo was on form then. He was in a good mood. He was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's funny. He's, he's a bit he's more cool. standoffish than Andy. And I, I guess that for me is a result of being that bit more because they're not far apart in age. But I think he was just exposed to a bit more kind of the intensity of, of, of childhood fame than Andy. And I think it's made him slightly more wary. Like Andy's just so warm. He sees you and he's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, welcomes you in with open arms. But. I think with Thomas, it's a bit more um, hard for him sometimes. But once you kind of crack that that shell, he's a total sweetheart as well. And the pair of them together are great, great double act. Yeah, they're. You can tell they have a lot of inside jokes, and you can tell their friendship is there. And I thought it was great, and they have a good dynamic. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, man. And I liked Tomo's attitude and the way that he sees life. It's definitely a little more sarcastic and which to me is funny. I think it's great. But the vibe of those two together, it was great. So, you know, as a fan of, of you know, what they do, but specifically This Is England, it was uh, definitely something that I consider to be a great moment for my life. It was really fun. Hell yeah. How was the response? Did you get any feedback? Because I know for a fact that you'd be a, real, really. you'd be a wild card guest for their show because they're, you know, kind of general guest pond is their acting and, and kind of you know right. media, media buddies so it would have definitely been like a bit of a left field turn i think to have you on but there wasn't any you know like cool response or, or no i hadn't heard anything about it <laughs> like, it doesn't look like metal guy <laughs> yeah it doesn't i'm not even sure how well the episode did i don't know numbers i don't i didn't hear i haven't heard a thing about it but um you know for me it was just like check off the list i did that super cool <laughs> yeah man yeah yeah well that's it isn't it that's sometimes that's that's all there is just getting the thing done and experiencing it and i'm stoked they invited you and i'm, I'm yeah i'm Same. stoked stoked that it happened and acting uh tell me everything about this experience because we've never spoken about this before this seems like a fairly seamless segue into the story um your uncle's film you posted about it recently on your instagram page and you're like i was in this film and um it was who who's the the writer it was uh, the, the the Forelli brothers who wrote yes. dumb and dumber and you know something about mary and you know what's the other one with jim carrey but yeah they those you guys myself are, and irene yeah so those guys are um kind of like in the periphery of like my family like my uncle's known them for a long time uh and they were actually there was a book called Outside Providence, which I highly recommend. It's a great book. Um, and from so that all their book, films are basically set in Rhode Island, aren't they? Like Dumb and Dumber is, and, and right. myself and Irene is. Like uh, I know a lot of people maybe aren't aware of that, but Rhode Island is very much the location of a lot of their work. Yeah, it's in their blood for sure. Um, so for me, that that experience was just, you know, around my uncle seeing to get. And listen, I grew up on sets. I've seen him make movies. You know, he he made a great film called Federal Hill. It's a black and white film about, you know, this guy who's connected to the mob that falls in love with this rich uh, student that goes to Brown University. And it's like Ivy League girl and like, you know, a guy who's connected to the mafia. Great film. Loved it. I was on set for that. And a, a film called American Buffalo with Dennis Franz and Dustin Hoffman. And it's like a, 
very heavy dialogue, sort of almost art house film, like so John you know, Cassavetti style. Yeah, just you know, you're not you're not gonna go there and see big, huge transitions and crazy scenes. You gotta really pay attention to the dialogue. So I grew up on that as well. And my father was the location scout, location manager for both those films. So I'd already been into the industry. I've had my feet wet with that stuff. So getting to do outside Providence, it felt fairly comfortable. It felt like something, oh yeah, I know how to do this. But I learned really quickly that, you know, just because you think you know how to act and just because you were able to get into this film, it's not all easy. Like there were definitely moments where I felt challenged. And yeah, I remember I ran late one day, got caught in traffic and the assistant director or me a new asshole in front of the entire set like it was embarrassed i was embarrassed no and passes because your uncle's the director no the passes situation. yeah and he yeah. he even said it out loud you know i was like you just because you know i was like whoa so from that point on i had to show up an hour early to make out like as my punishment but it was a learning curve um and you know is as fun as it was it was definitely kind of difficult but i was also a kid i was a young kid i didn't know who i was uh, and the sort of the sad part of it too is I, I became friends with Jonathan Brandis, who's a pretty famous child actor who ended up taking his own life. And my time on that set and my interaction with him, I could tell he wasn't doing too well. And he kind of latched on to me because I was kind of the lone shark, and he was kind of the lone shark. And the rest of the actors very much had sort of a chemistry together. So him and I would spend time on the outskirts, and uh, yeah, there were early signs of him not doing okay. And, I was a kid. I didn't know how to deal with it or to extend myself to him. But, you know, a couple of years later, he would take himself out. So that's really sad. But overall, it was an incredible experience. And I would totally do it again now that I'm an adult and like comfortable in my own skin to watch a film being made, to have the rap party where everyone celebrates and all the people who are working hard to let loose, to go to the premiere, to see it for the first time. That whole process is awesome. It's super fun. You reckon we could get one of the Farley brothers on the show? Is the uncle connection still there? I or? don't know. I mean, I could definitely ask, but um, I haven't spoken with them since that time. I know my uncle still keeps in touch. But um, yeah, possibility. I'd, I'd never say no in the realm of possibility for sure. I could reach out to my uncle and see what his schedule looks like too. But um, you never know. So Outside of Providence is the film, yeah? For anybody? Out, outside Providence, yep. Intrigued. Worth a watch. It's It's become a cult classic actually according to a lot of people and it's endearing it's funny it's quirky but there's like a wholesomeness to it and um the cool thing is is not only is my uncle the director there's footage as the film opens you're watching these kids playing and um you know sledding down a hill and it's my my family my mom and my my uncles and aunts like it's home video from my family then the opening scene is this three-legged dog running down the street and that three-legged dog i grew up with her name was samantha it was my my aunt's dog and throughout the film my family makes cameos my dad is actually the a driver and the where the kids are thumbing a ride and he's the one that picks them up as they're hitchhiking so my family's all over that film very cool and there is a, there is an innocent quality to certainly their early work i think they maybe got a little bit more grotesque and over the top as the years rolled on <laughs> but like dumb and dumber Although it's silly and it's wacky and it's fucking hilarious, there's real heart at the core yeah. of the story and those characters. I feel like they lost it with the sequel, but um, Dumb and Dumber yeah. 
is forever one of my favorite films and it's it just captures that you know kind of youthful innocence that they had yeah. as filmmakers and that those actors had at that time and soundtrack's incredible i've got all the time in the world for dumb and dumber it's just a benchmark comedy film for me and something about mary yeah yeah right. i'm gonna go on record and say that kingpin was a one for me too Oh yeah of course of course kingpin's a great one and if you've seen that film there's a homeless guy that hangs outside the apartment complex that they interact with and i think one of the lines is hey if you drink your own piss you're gonna get sick and die the guy who's the homeless guy that's doing that is my uncle who directed outside providence so that's him on the other side of the camera being this character so yeah kingpin's a great one too man woody Harrelson, love it and randy quaid yes, yes. so good yeah when you saw that because it was really weird i'd heard i think peter farley not bobby i think i'd heard peter on mark Marin. and then it was like a day or two later you posted that thing and i'd heard them talk about outside providence in this podcast and then you posted that because we'd never ever spoken about that and i'm like what the hell jesse's in a farley brothers movie you learn yeah. something new every day. You have all these conversations with someone, you know, you go deep and then they still have the ability to just drop the most impressive anecdotes <laughs> from out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I've also done this. Amazing. I, I, it's like, I almost forget that I've done it. It's, it's mm. kind of wild to look back on that and to like rewatch it again. It's like, it's, I have so many memories attached to that film. It's crazy. Well, go watch it people. And I, I'm definitely going to check it out uh okay so this is one for me scott pierce and then we've got one for you from scott pierce scott says matt what are your go-to places to eat in the usa now i haven't spent a lot of time in america and most of the time spent there has been in los angeles and, and my food choices are pretty basic and i'm not necessarily proud of them from a cuisine point of view but <laughs> for me it's all about the buildings and the atmosphere in the place and the history so every time I'm in Los Angeles, I do one of a few things. I always go and have cheese pizza at the Rainbow. Just get myself one of those red booths and have a big, gigantic margarita pizza because they're, you know, pretty good. There's probably better pizza out there, but you could do a lot worse than the Rainbow pizzas. And just being in that room where you see, like, the Guns N' Roses table and, the, you know, the Hollywood Vampires sign upstairs and all that cool stuff, obviously where Lemmy used to sit and the Lemmy statue that they now have. So that's always on the list. I always go and have Mexican food at a place called El Compadre on the Sunset Strip, which again is just one of those absolute like Hollywood staples, such a vibe in the place, really low lit. Again, you have the kind of booths that go around um, and there's always like traditional mariachi music playing in there. Awesome. Um, shamefully, I always squeeze in an In-N-Out burger just because they're so, so good. Um, and I think that's kind of it. And then I had some amazing barbecue. This is all very meaty stuff, I guess, but I had some amazing barbecue food when I was in Austin in Texas. Um, but other than that, for me, it's all about the bars. I'm much more of a dive bar guy. And, and my friends in Los Angeles at the moment, I sent her this list of about 20 dive bars. I was like, go check out all these places. The first one she went in, she said she had to get escorted out because there was this crazy stunt man in there trying to hit on her. And then it kind of made me realize like, oh yeah, this is like a beautiful girl traveling alone. You probably don't want to go in any of the places <laughs> where I would go because they're yeah. not like trendy dive bars. They're like dive dive bars. And then it kind of made me think, not to go on too much of a tangent, but how privileged I am as a man 
Um, mm. I think we take this shit for granted, man. Like, because you know, as a bloke, you can pretty much walk into any bar. And me and Aid were talking about this recently. My friend Aid, who was a guest on our Patreon page, um, there's no bar in the world that the pair of us wouldn't go in, even though we know going in there it's going to be dangerous, it's going to be sketchy, there's going to be wild characters, but you know you're still going to go in there because nine times out of ten, although people are like out there. They're all right, as long as, you know, don't show weakness and kind of just you can have a bit of a crack and a laugh with them. But as a woman, it's a whole different trip. Yeah. You just can't go into a bar on your own as a woman often and not be accosted or or annoyed. And it made me really upset for her because I was like, oh, man, if I was with you, then it would be a different story I could show you around. But after the first bar, she said I got, you know, pretty much borderline assaulted by a crazy stunt man. I was like, "Only, only in L.A., I was like, yeah, you probably want to stick to some of the more, you know, obvious touristy spots. The shit yeah. that women have to deal with. I know. It's a bummer, man. It's it's something that I don't really think about Europe. Right? I don't because I'm so used to just kind of doing what I please when I'm on tour and just not really worrying about my safety, you know. And I've definitely been into some bars that, you know, could have been dangerous, but turns out sometimes you make friends. Like sometimes those people that you think are dangerous are not, but you know, that's just me. That's just me being a guy and also being a guy in a band, you know, that there's a level of privilege there and acceptance that people, when they find out who I am or whatever, they're more than willing to like get me a drink and invite me in. But yeah, I can't imagine being a a single woman, you know, that's going to be rough. That sucks, man. Yeah. And I, I, I'm assuming that we don't need to tell any of our male listeners this because hopefully they're all, you know, respectful like us, but you know, read the signs. And if you, if, if you do approach a woman at a bar, I'm not saying don't do that because, you know, that's often how couples end up meeting. Um, but if you do approach a woman at a bar and she ain't giving you the kind of, you know, the vibes that suggest she wants your company, then leave them alone. Yeah. There's nothing worse than nothing worse than forcing your, your presence on somebody. It's horrible. It's such a demeaning thing to do to somebody. Read their body language, dude. I think your body language alone, you can tell when someone's like shifting away from you and clearly like rolling their eyes and looking away take a fucking hint you know i do this a lot when i'm walking home from from bar or dj shifts late at night because bristol's a very safe city although there's crime here like everywhere it's a very studenty safe city and you always see women walking on their own you know two in the morning and whenever i do i always cross the street so i go the opposite side just to kind of give them their space i feel like that's a good you know subtle move that you can do if you see a woman walking towards you you don't have to do this but yeah. i think it's a nice thing to do is just cross the street and, and get out of their way and open it up um so scott back to you would like to know the song always what the um the meaning uh, um and and the you know the subject matter there is he said it's a song that means a lot to him on a personal level and he'd mm-hmm. love some insight into that and that reminds me we need to get back on our uh behind the meaning series or behind the song i should say meaning behind the song series yeah. on patreon because that's what we do on patreon scotty uh is is dissect and discuss the meanings of, of jesse's various musical endeavors and their output but yeah always what's yeah i'll it keep about? it i'm gonna keep it fairly brief on this one um is it because, a personal one for you as well no it? because it's it, it, the song is means so much to so many people and people walk down the aisle to it like you know it's just wild to me how this song took on a life of its own and became people's songs their anthems part of their lives so the reason why i wrote it you know to me it was dealing with death it was dealing with the fact that 
I believe when you love somebody and they pass away, they're not truly gone. They still linger on. There's parts of their energy, their spirit that linger and remind you of whether it's in your memories or whether it's actual things that happen around you. Um, and it's not technically a romantic song. It's just more about, it could be your mother that passed away who sends you signs. You know, it's about kin. It's about blood. It's about love. And the fact that I believe death is a doorway, it's not the end. So that's my brief explanation of it. So it is about love. But when I initially wrote it, it's not like a romantic love. It's more of like a, a much bigger love. But I, I do enjoy the fact that people have used it for weddings and it means something to them on that level. But truly, when I wrote that song, I wanted it to be uh, interpreted on different levels. And thankfully, it has been. There we go. Well, that's the end of the list of songs that, um, not songs, sorry, questions that I have written down. Is there anything you want to ask me, Jesse? Well, there's a couple that I wrote down that I'm not sure you saw. Okay. Because I, I, on, my, on my end, on my page, it was mostly about AI, which, because I posted well, up a, that's you a posted picture of AI. AI. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I kind of was like, ah, maybe that was a mistake. I always um, find that whenever you, um, you know, kind of throw something out to people, what you throw often dictates the tone. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, kind of messed that one up. But uh, <laughs> so you know, one like, of the ones I saw that I thought was fairly interesting was, um, and this is for both of us, but I'm going to give it to you. Uh, would you ever consider having, I don't even know who wrote, actually, I don't know who asked this question. I apologize. I did not write that down. But would you ever have children? Because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You saw that one? Yeah, because yeah, the, the person who wrote it thought we'd make good dads. So I'll, I'll throw it to you. Do you was that even in your wheelhouse? <laughs> yeah, let me, um, let me find the name. Give him a shout out because this was actually my favorite question. I think it was Emma. Uh, Emma Hollyoke. Yeah, do you, either of you want children in the future? It can be a tricky subject. So I'm sorry if that's the case for you guys, but you both <laughs> seem like you'd make amazing dads. With your respective outlooks on life the thought often occurs to me when listening to you first of all that is an extremely lovely observation to make and one that mm. i am certainly very touched by uh, and it's weirdly something that's been on my mind a lot recently a lot i don't know if it's because i've been spending a bit of time with my friends and their kids i also listened to this podcast recently where it was a uh, um it was bill stevenson's wife actually my friend stacy bill stevenson's wife uh interviewing fat mike's ex-wife and tony sly from no use for her names i don't know what the term would be he's he's now widower yeah widower yeah, where you go yeah. um they're both mothers so all three of them are and it's just them talking about motherhood because i think a lot it was actually on a show called the rad dad show which is generally musicians talking to other musicians about being a dad stacy's kind of done like a little mini takeover series as part of the show where she interviews women about being mothers. And it's been a strange kind of journey over the last few weeks where it's just something that was never on my mind, something that I never thought about, has been on my mind loads. Um, and I don't know at all where, where I sit with it because it's, it's a lot for me, um, as it is for everybody. But I think just because of my upbringing, there's, you know, I don't want to say triggering elements, but there's certainly problematic um, emotions that come up when I think about parenthood 
Uh, and there's definitely a lot of things that have happened in my life that have up until this point put me off parenthood. And I've had no desire in my life um, to be a father. And I still don't think that I do. Um, I think I'm very selfish. I'm very self-sufficient. I love my independence. I love my freedom. And I don't really ever spend time with my friends and their kids and look at what they have and go, oh, I wish I had that. I'm lacking that. I want that. Um, I really like being a kind of an uncle figure. And I can't remember who I was talking to recently, but it was somebody sort of t telling me about how since becoming an aunt, oh, that was it. It was my friend, Helena. Um, she was saying how, she, how since she's become an aunt, it's opened up all of these feelings in her. She definitely doesn't want to be a mother. But she says, when the kid shares your DNA, so by proxy, so not your child, but you know a sibling's child, she says it is this crazy thing where you hold them and you look at them and you feel, even though it's not your child, like it's still a part of you because it is your blood and your DNA. And she said that becoming an auntie is like the most incredible thing that's happened to her. So I think for me, what I really want is my sister to get her act together. <laughs> <laughs> And for her and for her to have a kid so I can be an actual uncle, because I'm sort of like an uncle type figure to a couple of my close friends yeah. and their kids. But it's obviously not blood related. So it's not the same um, because I like being around them in short doses. But what I like even more is then handing them back and going over to you, my friend. I'm yeah, off yeah. to a gig or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. And um, I have been thinking about it a lot. And I think it's an interesting dichotomy for me because I love now. And I think unless something radical changes in my life and I meet someone so incredible that it brings up these feelings in me again, but there's pretty much zero hope or expectation in my heart of ever having a romantic relationship in my life ever again. Um, and that's not negative or defeatist or in any way my you know dreams aren't shattered. It's more just a very realistic objective view that i have of, of my life where i love my independence i love being single the only times in the past where i've been really truly devastated and depressed and sad and and suicidal dare i say is because of you know relationships that have gone wrong and i look back on my life and i go that's pretty much the only times other than when i lost my job on kerrang but that was also kind of like you know losing a partner breaking up with something if not someone and I just feel like as long as I'm on my own, everything's all right. And I can deal with whatever life has to throw me. Uh, and I'm, my life is full of love and have so much joy and happiness from so many different facets of my social circles. And so I don't feel the need to be a partner at all. However, there's definitely elements of, of fatherhood and that kind of paternal instinct that is beginning to creep in. Um, and maybe wow. that, you know, could manifest itself in more mentorship type roles because essentially it's the same thing right is you want to nurture someone and advise and you know protect mm. and, and do these things that i think you can do without being a, a father and a parent but i definitely think i have the qualities in some regards that could make a good one but i also just know i'm a fucking i'm a car crash of a human and um <laughs> and i'm reckless and i'm you know i'm very very selfish and so yeah, I don't think I'm up to the, the task. However, Uncle Matt is there and always willing to, to be that guy. And if my sister had a kid, I could only imagine how much I, I would love that because I like the idea of seeing something that you've you know got direct blood li links to 
as a little tiny human form but then you know that's not reason enough for me to have a kid it's just to say look what i made you know and my ego <laughs> and pride and curiosity so long and short of it from my end is the door's not closed but it's definitely not on my agenda and it's not something that i'm actively chasing and can't see yeah. it anytime soon yeah i'll keep mine fairly brief oh um, yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say just in general no that's not even something that i think of i do love children i love their innocence i love their intelligence i think we have a lot to learn from kids i am an uncle uh, and i actually miss them very much lately um they're incredible kids it's two boys and a girl addison Braden, and cooper and they live in arkansas with my brother um and anytime i'm around them i'm just fascinated i'm entertained i'm proud i don't see them as much as i'd like to and I'm not in their life as much as I'd like to, but I have, when I travel, I send them video clips of where I am in the world, explain, you know, a monument I'm near. I've done that stuff over the years. Um, and I love them and I think they're great. And I think it's amazing that my brother was able to have children, but yeah, I'm like you, I'm, I'm very selfish with my time. I, there's still parts of me that need to grow. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 45 this year and I just don't, th th that door closed years ago. But I do like the idea of mentoring and, you know, maybe one day I, I would help, you know, mentor somebody to either, you know, in a band or a musician or something like that. But right now where I'm at in my life, I can't even fathom it. I have a hard enough time keeping up with my cats and the house, house stuff around the house and the microwave. The dishes, the dishes. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, you, yeah. I think if I were ever to do like make that leap, it would be a dog. Like that's to me is a big responsibility that I'm willing to take on. But a kid, I I don't see that happening. And it's not that I don't love kids. I do. I love being around them. I love their energy. I'm still very much a kid. When I get around kids, I guess what I do? I go play with the kids. I'm not hanging out with the adults, you know, observing. I'm playing with the kids. I love that. But that doesn't mean I'm dad material. And I'm honored that someone thinks that. That's really nice. But no, I don't see that in the card. Yeah, it's a really generous and lovely observation um, and much appreciated. So thank you, Emma. And thank you to everybody. Great questions. Some fun ones, some, some more reflective ones and uh, a nice mix. Nice to catch up with you, dude. And um, yeah, it's kind of, we don't really talk too much at the moment about the, the future of this show and, and the plans for it um, because we've both just been in our own little rabbit holes doing our own oh, thing. Yeah. But it feels like now is a good time to circle back and uh, and get a few in the can and and just you know keep keep definitely keep the fires stoked because as much as sometimes life does take both of us in different directions um this feels like an anchor to me this show and and coming back to it always feels super easy and and natural and also important and i think the reason we started it was to you know have conversations that make us feel better about the world and ourselves and hopefully that rubs up of on everybody else and through listening to the show they feel better about themselves and about the world and um yeah it's going to continue and uh it just you know i think well as as time evolves the future of this show will reveal itself jesse has a swig of I, water ladies and gentlemen yeah yeah I, I i do agree you yeah, know dramatic pause <laughs> no i say nothing I, I quit i'm out yeah. that's it um, i'm done <laughs> no it's 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 easy to get sort of caught up in your own life and with your own schedule very easy and i've been very overwhelmed mentally lately but you know just the episode we just did with 
Father Maximus, to me, it, it, the analogy of like getting your cell phone plugged in and you hear that little noise of bloop and it's starting to recharge. It's just, that's why we do this fucking show. It's not about the money. It never has been. You know, of course we wish we were, had more exposure. We wish all these things, but at the core of what we do here it is just human interaction. It's, it's people's stories. It's perspective. It's, you know, all these important things that on a basic human level, we all need and to reconnect with that and to sort of put that out into the universe. That's a gift in itself. And I do love that we are going to continue doing this, even though we have gotten busy and, you know, there's so much more we could do, but you're right. The future is unwritten and we just keep plugging along and, and doing what we do because to me, this work is important, not just for people who listen, but just for my life to, it sort of anchors me every time we do something. So I appreciate that. And it's great to see you. And I'm so happy that you're busy and you're doing well and you're in good spirits. That makes me really fucking happy. Yeah. Thanks dude. And sorry, I haven't been more communicative and, and, you know, kind of regular understood with, with the, um, the connecting uh and you know i think we always kind of do go off in our little tangents for a while but it always comes back around you'll and, never uh, get a guilt trip from me i'm not that person i understand <laughs> that life i live that life um and i'm always here if you need me but if i don't hear from for, for a while i'm not going oh that match doctor is not my night never i'm not that person and dude it. it's not going to be too long before i get to see you again in person which I is know, so wild. so rare uh, you mentioned to Maximus the other day about, you know, this stuff we could do if we were in the same city or close by. And I think about that often myself. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And yeah. we'll, we'll be seeing each other in Germany and in, in the UK. And, and hopefully, if, if your schedule allows, um, we can link up later in the year after my cruise once again and, and can come out and, and maybe see you in the woods. And, um, yeah, I would, we'll figure it out, man. We definitely need to link up. And at some point, I would love, love, love to even get over to the UK for like a week of just hanging and then maybe doing a couple of them, like just something, anything. We'll have to figure that out. Lovely stuff. Well, if you would like to put yourself forward as a guest for future episodes of Stoke the Fire, uh, the email address is stokethefirepod at gmail.com. We are still more than open. Uh, and enthusiastic even to receive listener emails and have more listener guests. If you want to suggest more well-known guests from, you know, either the musical universe or other creative areas, perhaps people you think we might not have thought of or might not be aware of that you think would be suitable for the show, whether they're artists or, you know, athletes, whatever they are, whoever they are, please uh, hit us up with your suggestions for guests. Talking points are always appreciated. We don't need to do bespoke q a episodes but if there's you know one topic in particular that you feel like this show deserves to kind of cover uh then we could maybe do an entire themed episode around that with with a, a specific guest we're always open to your input we always want your input um and your support is is much appreciated and thank you to everybody who's helped get us to this stage the patreon page uh is up and running and, and you can go over there and get all kinds of extra content Look. And uh, yeah, you can support the show via there, patreon.com forward slash stoke the fire, a link to which you'll find in the episode description. But that was episode 69 of the show. And uh, next time you hear from us will be episode 70. So we'll have to do something special to mark that landmark. Until Indeed. then, cheers, Jesse.
Cheers, brother. Good to see you, man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.